done a lot of research, made a lot of efforts to try to explain this subject when we talk about the beginning of life. Now, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that science in and of itself is not bad or evil. It's what's behind it or what it's used for or what the agenda is behind that information that's being given from a scientific standpoint. Science can, simply, can be simply defined as the study of life. Although there are many different categories of science, they each have a common goal, which is to articulate or to explain the natural world. Therefore, the essence of pure science is neither negative or positive in and of itself. Instead, it is simply knowledge or information. But the problem with science lies within the assumptions that are made. So to assume is to think that something is true or probably true without knowing that it is, in fact, true. So you look around, you talk to a lot of people. Assumptions is a, is a wide variety of assumptions that's out there. As many as you got people, you probably multiply that by 10, 20. And that's how many assumptions you can come up with on this earth about life. So our kids go to school and they hear things from their peers. And guess what they're hearing? Assumptions that are made about life. So then a lot of times, unfortunately, some of our teenagers or some of our young people, they take that information as fact without proper evidence or proof and the same goes from a spiritual aspect a lot of times if we're not careful we can hear something and we can take that as true without knowing the facts the scripture says my people perish for what knowledge is not the problem Having information is not a problem. In fact, God wants us to be educated. He wants us to be knowledgeable. It's what we do with that information that makes it either good or bad. Everybody with me? In other words, it is drawing for an assumption is drawing a conclusion based upon incomplete knowledge or information. Scientists exert an immense amount of time, energy, and money conducting researches and experiments. However, there is a limit to the amount of substantial information that they can achieve. And scientists will tell you this. No matter how much they research, no matter how much they try to observe and, you know, they go out there and explore, there's but so much that they can obtain. It's not because the information is not there. It's because God has already set that limitation. So whoever he's willing to reveal that information to, that's what he'll reveal. So here's what's interesting. You don't have to go to school to learn about the life that exists. Let me make sure I correct that so I don't want nobody thinking you don't need education. But to become a, chem, uh, uh, what do you call them? Um biologists and all those other guys that you you know you get your degrees and you get your certifications you want to understand life the easiest way to understand life is to go to the source of life because everything that they're giving you is just articulating what already exists 
Now, here's what here's what they have on us. They have the resources and the money to go to places that maybe we don't go or can't go to discover things that we didn't know existed. But it's already been there. Right. So they just bring that information to us and we say, oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. They got a fish like that. I've never seen one, but you know what? They got it up there and close to the North Pole or whatever the case may be. You find these these living creatures. So they are studying what exists. So science is not a bad thing when you use it right. That's how we understand trees and how they grow and what they do, right? The fact that they offer oxygen, that's pretty cool. Thank God for that, right? So now we know to not cut so many trees down. We know we need the wood, you know, to burn for when it's winter time, but we got to make sure we even it out. Because of the knowledge that we have, we can better take care of what God has put in place. Does that make sense? Because that's really what the essence of pure science is. So there's nothing wrong with science. There's, so, and I say that because a lot of times, even as Christians, we discredit. As soon as somebody starts talking about science, we discredit the science part. And science is not evil. But it's, it depends on the individual, the agenda, and how we use that information. No one can gain any amount of information unless God allows us to get that information. Period. So it doesn't matter how much. Think about it. They've, they've explored space for the longest time, right? Try to tell you the planets and the stars that exist and all the things that are happening out there, right, in the cosmos, right? But they can only go but so far. They can't really tell you a lot about what they call the black hole. They can't tell you the limitations on the galaxy. They tell you that there's, a, there's, there's more than one, you know, and they, that's as far as they can go. But they can't tell you how many. They can't tell you how far, how wide. They can't tell you the extent of that. And like I told my kids, one thing they'll never be able to tell you is what heaven is like. So I don't care how far they travel in space. They can't, they can't get there because God has already set things in place. I'm going to give you what you need, what I want you to have, and that's as far as you can go. Maybe we can take a lesson from that and stop trying to do God's job and know everything that God knows and just take what he gives us. Sometimes we want to know more. God is like, just calm down. It's okay. I gave you what you needed for the time being. Use what I gave you. Amen? But it's God that controls that. Now, if the amount of substantial information is blatantly sufficient in the realms of science, then the claims classification is generally accepted as a fact or truth. So, in English, that means... If it has been found, if enough information has been found to support whatever it is, the claim, or whatever is being observed, then it is generally accepted as a fact or truth. So, if my hair was a little bit longer and you look at it and you say, man, you know what? He's 30, he's 37 going to 38, yeah. And, uh... You look at the type of, job, type of job I have and, you know, you say, oh, man, he's got six children. You know, he's got a wonderful wife. 
and he's got all kinds of things going on. And then you look in the center of my head and you see like that part that's balding. You have enough information to conclude that I'm getting older and I'm losing my hair. Right? But you have enough information so you don't have to make an assumption. It's there. It's evident. Okay? So that, I just use that practical example there. The most effective method of scientific evaluation is to compare known information in order to identify or discover the unknown. In the realms of science, they can only use what they have. When you have nothing, you have nothing to compare anything to. So remember we talked about information and what you receive, right? That's kind of the process that we go through. So in essence, you're kind of like a scientist. You take and you compare the information that you do know with what you don't know to come to a conclusion. So what assists us in that is to have the right information. This Sunday school, right? Y'all all right? I know it's kind of academic, but, you know, it's to make a point. So here's what happens. If the amount of substantial information is insufficient, it becomes more difficult to arrive to a precise conclusion. It leaves a lot of ambiguity or a lot of, a lot of confusion, a lot of variables, depending on what you're studying. So sometimes you hear that term that the possibilities are endless because you're getting into the unknown. So at this point, assumptions are rendered and a theory is birthed. A theory is an idea that is suggested or presented as possibly true. This is Webster's uh, definition. A theory is an idea that is suggested or presented as possibly true, but that is not known or proven to be true. These assumptions are commonly based upon personal perspective rather than deliberate evidence. So in other words, when I look at something, if I cannot get enough information to support whatever it is that I'm studying or I'm observing, then I can make an assumption, which in essence, if I get enough people to take a hold of that assumption and claim it is true, it becomes a theory. So let me talk about two theories when we're talking about the beginning. The first theory is the Big Bang Theory. Right, so here's something that was presented to try to, uh, to explain what happened in the beginning, to address the beginning of life, the Big Bang Theory. Okay, and basically the, the, the basis of the Big Bang Theory stands upon uh, stands upon, here's a, a one, I'm trying to think how, it, how they worded it. But basically, it's one little molecule. That's not the right word I'm looking for. But it's got, it's got an indefinite amount of heat, and it can expand, okay? And what they say, the theory basically says that in a snapshot, it exploded, and all these things came about. The galaxy and life as we know it came about, okay? And just continues to develop now 
if we look at it based upon what they put in the theory and how they try to explain what happened, this is their assumption of what took place. Because of science, and you learn all the terminology about neurons and all this other stuff, you know, and how they work together and how they affect one another. They look at that and they study that now and try to determine what happened years ago. And I'm still trying to figure out for the life of me how scientists have determined that Earth has been here for billions of years. But there is some information out there that you try to use to claim, you know, to validate that point. Nonetheless, this is what the, this is basically the uh, the Big Bang theory in a nutshell, is that it was a big explosion, it was immediate, and everything just came into existence. Now, think about it. Think about it. The Big Bang theory. Most of us, what will what will we do? We'll shake our head and we'll say, "No, that's not true." In the name of science, we're looking at it as science is evil. Y'all with me? I hope you are, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do something here. So, automatically we discredit the information. Now remember, this is their perspective, this is their assumption on what actually took place. No one really knows because we weren't there, right? So we can only take what we know and try to compare it to what we're trying to figure out. And if we can't if we can't get enough information to substantiate our claim, then we make an assumption. So that's what they did. But they know enough to know that it obviously came into existence. They actually call it a point of singularity. A point of singularity. Now I find that interesting because what I know as a Christian, I tie it in. So a point of singularity means there was only one source. Right? Now y'all see how this... So, again, that's why I say what I say. It's not all the time that science is bad. You just got to know how you're looking at it. A couple weeks ago I told you science can actually prove the biblical events. So the Bible didn't articulate it that way. But guess what? When you talk about a point of singularity, we know how many gods are there. Ah. Who's the source of life? So while they're saying it was probably one little, you know, ball of fire, whatever it was, God is. Woo. That's how I that's how I take it. Okay, I got it. You didn't understand. So you were speaking out of ignorance. Because you didn't have anything else to compare it to. But when you put the information together, you get a conclusive. So, let's look at this thing a little bit further. Big Bang Theory says that everything came into existence by one big explosion. That's how they explain it. Genesis chapter 1 lets us know in the beginning... First four words of the book. And I don't care how much you or, you know, put it in chronological order. Genesis chapter 1 is always going to come first. Look at the chronological uh, Bible. Genesis 1 is always first. Now, yes, Moses wrote it later on, but he wrote it as God was given. 
if do the study, do the study, take the time and actually do the timetable of who lived how long. And see how much firsthand information might have been passed on. We took them from Adam. It's pretty interesting. Adam lived for, for a good little minute. But Moses wrote the things that God told him. Now, he spent a lot of time with God. So, I mean, you know. But Genesis chapter 1 is the first thing. And it's the first four words. In the beginning, God. It started with him. He was the first. Before him, nothing else existed. I know most of the time, even as kids, if we know, excuse me, if we heard this, first thing most of us will ask is, so... Where did God come from? So, brothers and sisters, here's the deal. This is what science is really trying to explain. This is where they go wrong. In their efforts to explain what exists now, it's okay. But when they try to explain God from a scientific standpoint, they're canceling out God in their efforts. To the point where you have a lot of theories about where the origins of life come from to exclude God. And they're putting this in their theories. I told you before, atheists, you know, they, you know I know they claim the title, but I'm just still trying to figure out, as an atheist, do y'all have a doctrine? Because in there it should be you have to first acknowledge something exists before you can deny it. Right? So, what are you really? Well, we know they're lost. Really? Lost and confused. But this is, this is the angle that they come from. There is no God. If you go to a lot of the religions, you know, they tell you. It's, it's really interesting to me how even in some of these religions throughout the world, they have their own backstory about where, what happened in the beginning, how life came about. And it was always from some creator or, you know, something that, oh, and this one, whether it was a bird that flew down and, you know, landed or some butterfly that landed on the tree and then out came. They got all these kind of different to explain the beginning. And science has, has made an effort to explain the beginning. So the Big Bang Theory, big explosion. But here's the deal. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And oh, by the way, when he created it, it wasn't like he had a big construction crew and said, I want you on this. You make sure you build Venus like this. And I want you on, on Jupiter and, and make sure that, you know, y'all form Earth and make sure you put a big body of water there. You know, I want one big land mass uh, starting out and make sure you put the garden in the middle. I know it's going to take y'all a while, billions of years. It said he spoke it. God said, let there be. And what happened? So, brothers and sisters, 
The Big Bang is not an evil explanation. The assumptions might be the way they try to explain it. But if you look at it, they are already crediting the Bible without even knowing it from a scientific standpoint about what took place. An explosion happened. You can call it an explosion. You can call it what you want. But God said it and it happened. That's the beginning. Isn't that awesome? For years. But why did we discredit this stuff? Because we didn't understand it. And we didn't want to have nothing to do with it because it was always looked at as evil. Are y'all with me? Now, that doesn't mean take everything as fact. But you got to have something to compare it to. So when you hear the scientific notion and you get the scripture for what you know to be true and you marry it together, you start to see, wow. You can call it the Big Bang Theory. That's the title we want to use. But let me further clarify what took place. What you call an explosion. It was an act of God. God said and it happened. It's awesome. Now, that's the one theory. That's one of the theories. Uh, that the next theory, the theory of evolution. Now, the theory of evolution does not address the origins. They tried to, but they were more focused on the involvement that happened with life forms that already existed. Now, honestly, I will tell you this. I don't know about you, but for me, I don't want, I choose not to believe that I have evolved from some fish or some chimpanzee on orangutan. I just choose not to believe that. And it has nothing to do with my color. But if the Bible told me where I came from, who I was created in the image of, if I came from a gorilla or a monkey, then that must mean the God I serve is... I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that would mean that. Now, the last time I checked, an ape, he has a brain... But his brain is not as large as ours. Sometimes, (coughs) excuse me, sometimes, you know, again, science, they they make every effort to try to explain, and they get this great idea, oh, man, let's go a little bit further. Trying to teach apes to talk, you monkeys to talk and, and do stuff. What would you do if you walked in a restaurant? This just popped in my head. What would you do if you walked in a restaurant and monkeys just came out serving you your plate? You would tell them. And if he said, thank you, if he said, you're welcome, how would you? (laughs) Give him an extra tip, right? I'm pretty sure at some point this might have been the intent, maybe not to be a, a waiter or a waitress. But to somehow give them this level of intelligence or, you know, and all this in efforts to prove that, hey, you know what? Yeah, there's a greater possibility that we have evolved from 
And, and here's what's interesting to me. So they take these fossils. Fossils, y'all. What are fossils? Okay. Now, here's the first thing I always think about. You cracked open this rock or you dug and dug and you found it buried in, in the dirt or whatever the case may be. And you somehow was able to determine that this organism used to be living six billion years ago. I was just wondering if maybe somebody had inscribed the actual date of death. I didn't see no stamps to say, you know, what was it, B.C., like, you know, 6 billion B.C., something. But somehow they determine this. They make this assumption. But the other thing is it's a fossil. It's a bone. So unless the bone still has, you know, some blood or whatever the case may be in it, you can't really get any DNA. Because scientifically they say DNA is pretty much part of who you are. That's what makes you who you are. Which I think is awesome in and of itself how they try to explain that. But then they go too far. So you have found a fossil. And because you couldn't take any information from that, you gave it a name. You made up the name. But can I say Adam probably already had a name? Well, I don't see it said he named the fish. It just said he named the animals. But I'm pretty sure he named the fish, too. So whatever that fish's original name was, he already had a name. But you found this thousands of years later, <clears throat> and you named it. So you gave it a name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then you said, well, because we can't take information from this fossil, we're going to go out and we're going to find something that's close, something we think is closely related to this. And then we're going to take that and we're going to use that to validate our point of how this fish or this organism has evolved. So you said, you, you went even to the skeletal, you said, oh, how the skeletal, I was just watching some of this yesterday. But, you know, how it just <clears throat> evolves and he says, okay, this fin transformed into legs. Because a fish was, this, this is, it blows my mind. The fish was in danger because they were being eaten. Now you're talking about billions of years ago, as you say. How you know they was in danger? How you know they was trying to get away? For all you know, they could have just washed on shore and couldn't get back in the water. That's what I'm thinking. So they got fins. Most fish do. So then when they look at it and they say, okay, so this one's closely related. So see how this one had this and now it doesn't. Or this one had this and, and or didn't have this and now it does. It evolved over time. And then they say, we know that these are too closely related because you can see the bone structure and, 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 and things going on in DNA in this one. And, and it's not really there in this one. They talk about a, uh, it's a switch they talk about that's in your DNA that turns on and off. The things that would normally happen in, some, in the other organism's DNA. 
So let's just say for it in eight, for example. So in eight, they say they got a DNA that's kind of similar, but there's a switch. And some of us have that switch, so it turns some things on and some things off. And then they try to get complicated and say it's got a series of switches. You can call it what you want. I remember a time when if you were born without an arm, they called that being deformed. Now, I'm not trying to be funny, but that was the truth. That's what it was. Not you involving into a mammoth or walrus or manatee. Now you, you know, manatee swimming in the water and, yep, see, that's what happened. DNA is a switch and they lost their arms and, come on now. Now, I do believe that some things have evolved within their species over time. Remember, the Bible talks about us, there used to be giants in the land, right? Well, it ain't as many as it was. There's still some, but not like what it was, right? We used to live a whole lot longer, right? God's put a limitation on that. But this was God's doing. However he did it, you can try to explain it scientifically, but however he did it, it happened. So here we are. Look at, look at how we build structures, you know, the way we live life now. That's in the evolvement. So again, evolvement is not even. It's when you try to explain the act of God with science. When you try to explain God himself, listen, you still have doctors who are baffled when they look at folks who have been healed miraculously, who had a, a condition the day before, they came in to get the examination, the doctors know the history, but it's no longer there. Use science to explain that. Oh, and they will. They'll try. But they're not going to do it justice because that's God's doing. There are so many, listen, the scripture tells us that, again, because we know what we know, the scripture tells us that when God created everything, he says, you're going to be fruitful and you're going to produce your own kind. Right? We know that without assistance, we have not yet found an apple tree that produced a banana. Now, you can graft it in and all that other stuff that they try to do to make uh, granadas. But, you know, without assistance, you plant that apple seed if you want to, and it's going to produce an apple tree. So, you know, a lot of things in nature will show you if you just watch. All these animals we see, they have a nature to them. This is, you know, this is stuff, this is how they've lived. For years. Now the only change I find in the scripture dealing with evolvement with that kind of explanation would be when God told the serpent, you're going to crawl on your belly. Which would give the indication that maybe he had legs before. But God said you're going to crawl on your belly for the rest of your life. It's the only indication I find in the scripture dealing with or, or tying into something like that. But again, that was an act of God. God said it. What happened? It happened, right? 
In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Go to John chapter 1 real quick with me. Now, <clears throat> this scripture to me has a twofold impact because on one end it's telling you, again, it's reiterating the beginning of everything. It started with God. Beginning of natural life and then the beginning of spiritual life, new life, rebirth or the new birth, right? Salvation, as we call it. So it says in the beginning, in verse 1, was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning, with God. Some things were made by Him. Just a couple of things that He had influence on. All things, right? were made by him and without him. Did you see that? Without him was not anything made So again, here's here's part of the problem when it comes to science. Not that they're studying what exists. Not that they're trying to obtain information, but how they're trying to use that information. When you go to the extent of trying to explain God from a scientific standpoint, you are going to cancel him out. Because you're now trying to limit God or condense God into some type of molecule, organism, or something that you can relate to because you're comparing it that way. We can only compare with what we know, right? Unfortunately, this is what happens. If I can reduce God... It's no mystery why a lot of people now believe that you are God. I am God. As a human being, I am God. This is the belief out there. This is the theory that's put out there. And people are accepting it. Why? Because they, they don't know. Remember, you take information and you compare it. Known information to try to identify unknown. And if you don't have anything else to compare it to, substantial information, you're going to make an assumption. And that's what you're going to go with. So to believe I am God is easier. Now, I, I really, because I know what I know, I really can't understand how folks can come to the conclusion that we are God. Because if that was the case, then why are we dying? Someone has put a limitation on our existence. Moral code. Where did that come from? Did we just make that up? And if we did, then who's to say what's right and what's wrong? So then it becomes ambiguous. 
And then you get more theories and more theories, more beliefs, more beliefs, more doctrines, and all these things exist. Today, that's what we have. That's what we're facing right now. Because in the past, people have tried to explain. But the beginning, the bottom line, we already know that the word of God, and if you, listen, let me tell you, you can explain events in the Bible, you can articulate that. But you can't explain God. You can tell about his goodness and the impact that God has had on your life. You can tell about what the word of God says. But at the end of the day, end of the day you can't explain God to the point where it will provoke somebody else to believe. They're going to have to come to a point where they are willing. This is why I don't get in debates with people. Because it's pointless. Most, in, most, in most cases, when you get into a debate with someone, they already have... A predetermined concept. So me arguing with you about what's true is pointless. I talked to a gentleman a couple weeks ago who was talking, came to my office and was talking to me about different things about the Bible and how it wasn't true and so on and so forth. And I said, you know what? I said, here's the deal. I said, you're speaking things you don't even understand. You don't even believe what you're saying right now. I said, but you're putting on a facade to present yourself as if you know something. While internally there is a hunger, there is a lack, and you know it. That's why you're asking me the questions that you're asking me right now. I said, but here's what you really need. I said, everything that you're trying to find out and you're pursuing, I said, it's in God. But in order for you to get it, you're going to have to come to a point where you deny yourself and accept God for who he is. Now, you've obviously read the scriptures. So me arguing you with the scriptures is pointless. But I can tell you this. I know that God is real. He, you know, he, he left. He says, you know, nah. he said, I was just messing with you. I just wanted to you know, try to get you to think. I said, I don't have to think about it. I'm convinced I'm, I, there's no confusion about what I believe. But you're asking the questions. I said, you know what? And I looked at him. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, my heart goes out for you. I said, because I see something that you don't see. This is a spiritual thing that transcends the human mind. This is not about human nature, the natural world and all that. There's some things that you can't explain scientifically. This is the spirit realm. And in order for you to understand what's happening in the spirit realm, you've got to be connected to the spiritual source. And I told him, I said, I pray for you, man. I'm praying that one day you come to the point where you really embrace this thing. I said, because if you do, I said, here's your fear. If you do, you feel like you'll lose your identity. I'm telling you, you don't have an identity right now. Where you stand right now, you don't even know who you are. But if you get a hold of this thing, God's going to show you his purpose and his plan for your life. But it starts with him. So he spoke everything into his existence. He brought everything into existence. Just like we see the scripture says, all things were created by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Bless you. That light 
It's not just talking about the light that shines that you can see with your visual eyes, but also the matter of understanding. We can only understand these things by having that relationship with God because he is the source of life. It began with him. And guess what? The new life still begins with him. And if we are to ever identify our purpose and our, for our existence and ever reach our destination to reach our goal, we have to stay connected to the source. Folks, backslide, they got to understand, it still begins with God. So, hopefully, I've managed to tie this in. And you understand that science in and of itself, I wanted to make that point because you can learn a lot of things about what exists. There's a wealth of information out there, and some of it is valuable information just for you to know. Why else would doctors be able to, to articulate to us our health condition if, they, if science wasn't in place? And also be able to help mitigate some of those things. Right. So, again, science is not evil in and of itself, but we got to know what the agenda is. We got to know what the purpose is and we got to make sure that we are explaining the right thing. We're not trying to explain God. We're just trying to use what God has already given to us. Amen. That's the beginning. God bless you. I did it. Finally, let's take a break and let's be ready for a dynamic service in Jesus name.